Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your calls, best and worst of the weekend, and otherwise a little bit later this hour. It is NHL trade deadline day. We also have the amazing story. David Ayers will join our show tomorrow. The emergency backup goaltender and 42-year-old Zamboni driver not only played for the visiting Canes on Saturday night in Toronto, where he knows a lot of the Maple Leafs players and sometimes is their practice goalie, also the Toronto Marlies, whose gear he was wearing while dressed out in the rest of the Canes jersey and pads on Saturday night. David Ayers joins us tomorrow. He got the win for the Canes 6-3 at Toronto. As Mike Maniscalco joins us from Fox Sports Carolina's rinkside reporter for them on, and an expert on all things NHL and Canes. Just to get people caught up, the Penguins have acquired 40-year-old Patrick Marlowe. The Capitals got Ilya Kovalchuk prior to the trade deadline. Edmonton got defenseman Mike Green from Detroit. There are a whole bunch of others. Mike Maniscalco, welcome back to the David Glenn Show, man. Have you ever seen anything like what you saw uh, in on Saturday night in Toronto? And did you even know all the emergency goalie rules off the top of your head? Uh, no to knowing all of the emergency goalie rules because I don't even think the NHL knows all of the emergency yeah. goalie rules right now, David. Uh, the closest thing was New Year's Eve a couple of years ago when uh, George Alves got into the game for the Carolina Hurricanes, their great equipment manager, when Eddie Lack got sick earlier that day and the Canes couldn't get a backup goaltender to Tampa in time, and George Alves got to put on an NHL uniform, and he got to play, what is it, 7.9 seconds yeah. of an NHL game, and that's the closest I've ever come to anything like this. But you, you never dream that an emergency backup goaltender, let alone a 42-year-old guy who had kind of never played anything higher than Junior B, is going to come in and, and steal the show on Hockey Night in Canada like we saw Saturday. We have learned that these emergency goalies get $500. Uh, they also get to keep their game-worn jersey if they get in there. I know the Canes are doing some promotional stuff with David Ayers, including tomorrow night as we speak. Uh, how does the rest of this work? There was apparently a Detroit or a Chicago area, rather, accountant who was on call and actually played two years ago. But those are the only two examples I'm aware of in like decades of this stuff. Do they have to be at the arena, Mike? Do you know? Is it like a, you know, 999 times out of a thousand or more that you come, you get some kind of check for not playing, and then people go, you just go home with nobody knowing your name? Well, pretty much. But no, you, you have to be at the arena. What happens now? is every team provides a, an emergency backup goaltender. And down here, it's usually somebody who played for NC State, you know, played college hockey yeah. or, or played not at a, a real high level of pro, probably not even at a, a pro level. In some cases, you know, it can be a, a backup goaltender. That's what it was in, in years past. We've seen some guys have to put on the, uh, the equipment who are the goalie coaches and ride the pine as a backup. But the league made a, a change a couple of years ago where – the home team has to provide an emergency goaltender. So that person's always in the building. They're usually just sitting in the media room during the course of the game and, and then waiting for, you know, their opportunity. Either, okay, it's all clear, you can go home, or, hey, you might have to get dressed, get your equipment on, and go in the locker room and go from there. But the league mandated that the teams have to provide uh, an emergency backup goaltender. And, and most nights there are two in the building. Okay. So there's a, a good chance that there's, you know, going to be uh, never, ever, ever, ever a phone call to these guys or a text or wherever they are to say, hey, get your equipment on and get to this locker room. But uh, there's usually somebody in the building 
in case of something that happens like we saw the other night in Toronto. And, and honestly, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. What did you make of the uh, backdrop on Saturday night where apparently a lot of these Toronto players have at least worked out with David Ayers and there were some, you know, sort of respectful stick taps, even though Toronto was trying to get the puck past David Ayers. They, they kind of saw this, you know, dream come true, bigger picture, uh, even as they got their first two shots by David Ayers. And yet he came back in the third period, uh, didn't, didn't look all that nervous. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the, the version from David Ayersine. I can't give you all of the ins and outs from the Leafs, but uh, this is how confident he was and how calm and cool and relaxed. John Tavares scores on the first shot on him. And John right. Tavares has scored a hell of a lot of goals in the National Hockey League. And David Ayers told his teammates and told uh, post-game reporters that John Tavares surprised him because he normally shoots high blocker side in practice, so he wasn't expecting him <laughs> to go low. So here is, here is an emergency backup goaltender who says that he's got a book on the Toronto Maple Leaf shooters. And um, after the, the second period, he came into the locker room and he told the Canes, he goes, all right, guys, I'm settled down now. You know, I'll, I'll get into a groove and I'll make some saves in the third period. The guys in the locker room, uh, we've heard the story now where they told him it doesn't matter how many goals you yeah. give up. Just have fun. This is your moment. Uh, James Reimer and Jason Mazzotti, the goaltending coach, and James Reimer, the goalie who got hurt to start the game for the Carolina Hurricanes, talked to them in, in the intermission, gave them some tips. But uh, everybody said that he was just cool and calm. And as a matter of fact, Jordan Stahl today after practice said, yeah, he, he, he feels like he could be a member of this hockey team yeah. with his attitude and, and how he is. So, uh, look, this was a – and I, I said young man the other night on the air. I think I can get away with that. I'm 44. He's 42. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, opportunity knocks, and, and this guy took it and ran with it. But also the team in front of him. That, the Canes might have played, yeah. you know, the, their best game of the season defensively and, and how aggressive they were with their forecheck on Toronto. I mean, they gave the Leafs absolutely nothing uh, from the, the third, from the drop of the puck in the third period to the end. So, and the backdrop is this guy comes in, the, the Canes played hard for him. He, he played his heart out for them. And it's just a great story that we get to it here. And, and you know, he's on the, the whirlwind media tour today. Right. I know he'll be with you tomorrow. And uh, you're, you're going to enjoy talking to him because he seems like a, a very pleasant fellow. And if for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, Mike made reference to just the way the Canes essentially embraced a complete stranger. I mean, right, like you're introducing yourself to a dude who is now in the net wearing your jersey. And the post-game scene where Rod Brindamore talked about David Ayers giving the Canes a game they'll never forget, but Rod also emphasized the work ethic that the big rig Mike Maniscalco just emphasized. Uh, those Canes gave David Ayers that same kind of thing to remember and even gave him a little uh, water bottle shower when he was like the last one to make it to the locker room. There was a downside on Saturday night, so help us put these pieces together. Brett Pesci's shoulder injury looked scary. Mrazek and Reimer, I mean, you had to get two goalies hurt just to have this David Ayers story. Where do the Canes go from here injury-wise as they already had Dougie Hamilton on the shelf? Well, that's, that's the, the big question right now, David. And uh, Rob Brindamore said today none of these injuries is short-term for the Canes. So uh, with James Reimer, it's a lower body injury. And uh, with Peter Mrazek, it's a concussion. And nobody knows, you know, how, how concussions work themselves out. You know, sometimes a player can come back early from them if they haven't had one or if they meet the criteria after hitting the baseline test. But for the goaltending situation, we'll work that one. That's the easy one first. 
Alex Nedeljkovic and, and Anton Forsberg have been called up. And you know what? It's, it's not bad that Charlotte has had those two guys all year. Nedeljkovic got his first NHL action last year, and it was a win over the Vancouver Canucks. And everybody thinks he's been, you know, trying to, to knock through the door to get to the league. And I think in any other situation, he might have had games in the NHL yep. this year right now. But the Canes have had a, a real good combination with Peter and, and James. So Alex has got his opportunity, and Anton Forsberg has games in the NHL. You know, this is a guy who has backed up before and can give you some minutes. You know, he wanted a chance to, to show that he could be an NHL goalie. And if you go back to training camp, it, it literally came down to the last week of was it going to be James Reimer, was it going to be Alex Nedeljkovic, or Anton Forsberg as the backup to Peter Morazic. So the, the Canes, I think the goaltending – you know, look, it's a big hit losing the two guys who've done it all year at the NHL level, but these two guys at the AHL level have been really good. So they're confident that they can play. The team knows what they can do. The organization knows what they can do. And uh, as I, I said to Alex Nedeljkovic today, I'm like, hey, it's pretty easy. Look what they did in front of the guy they had in Toronto. It should be easy for you. And yeah. he just kind of laughed and said, it's another game. The Brett Pesci injury, though, that's going to be a little bit more of a concern. It's a shoulder injury for Brett. And, again, the Canes. They've already lost their all-star defenseman, Dougie Hamilton. They haven't put him on long-term IR with the hopes that he can return this year from that broken leg. With Pesci, you know, with the shoulder, shoulder injuries are, are so so fickle in the NHL because of all of the movement they have to do. It's like when you hear a pitcher get a, a shoulder injury, you're never really sure of the severity. So, look, we've still got uh, a little bit of time before the trade deadline is over with in the National Hockey League. and. I know that the Canes have, have been looking. They've, they've been looking at the defense even before the Brett Pesci injury. But if not, the Canes are going to have to dip back down to Charlotte. And uh, two of the names that would probably top uh, the list would be uh, at least Jake Bean for yeah. uh, the moment for the Carolina Hurricanes. And then you've got a few other players that you can take a look at for that checkers roster who can you know, give you an opportunity to play. And, and I don't really know. It all depends on what the, the team is looking for because if you're trying to find a guy who can, you know, be offensive, it's Jake Bean. You know, he's been outstanding this year, the former first-round draft pick for the Carolina Hurricanes. On the other side of it, you've got Gustav Forsling, who they got from Chicago with Anton Forsberg earlier this year. He's a, a solid defenseman. You know, he's one of those guys who can give you minutes. He's played, I think, about 100 games or so in the National Hockey League, at least at that level. So it all depends on what the teams are looking at. And, again, they can still peer over the fence and, and try and bring somebody in before the trade deadline's over today. Mike Maniscalco joining us, Fox Sports Carolina's rinkside reporter, of course, from the Carolina Hurricanes. On Twitter, he is at Mike Maniscalco. Uh, you mentioned the trade deadline. We are ticking toward that as we speak. Not a whole lot of time left, but we did see the announcement earlier today. Eric Halla. Lucas Walmark and two prospects headed to the Florida Panthers in exchange for 26-year-old centerman Vincent Trocek, who does make, you know, almost $5 million a year and has had a 30-goal season. Uh, give us your sense of why this made sense for the Canes. Well, because Vinny Trocek brings something the way he plays. DG, he's, he can be a pest, he can be an irritant, but he can also be one hell of a hockey player. Now, this is a guy who was an all-star a couple of years ago is a guy who can put the puck in the net. He's had a 30-goal season, and that wasn't that long ago. He's just yep. two seasons removed from that. Excuse me on this. Uh, so he had a 31-goal season, what, two years yes. ago. Uh, he's a point producer, but more importantly, he really fits the style of play that Rod Brindamore and the Hurricanes like to play. They like to play fast. They like to play aggressive, and Vinny Trocek fits 
those boxes when you're trying to figure out what's he going to do. He can be that number two center for the Carolina Hurricanes, and and he's more than just you know a, a guy who you plug in and say, okay, what does he do now? He's he's an upgrade for the Canes. Yeah, it looks on paper like the Canes gave up an awful lot in Eric Halla and, and Lucas Walmark. And Lucas Walmark, by the way, I, I never think got enough recognition for how well he played for the Carolina Hurricanes. He did a lot of stuff behind the scenes, was put into a ton of different roles, and you know did his job really well. Eric Halla came onto the scene this year, started off gangbusters, and then had a, a bit of an issue related to the knee injury that he had in Vegas that you know basically cost him all of last year. But Hall is a fantastic offensive player, but he was an unrestricted free agent right. at the end of this year, and there's no you know guarantee that he was going to come back to Carolina. Hurts losing Chase Prisky and E.T. Lusterinen, you know, the defenseman who the Canes traded for, picked him up uh, this year, the, the college defenseman who was really good, and E.T. Lusterinen was a draft pick who, you know, the one thing about prospects, D.G., Five years from now, you, you can look foolish that you gave up on a guy or traded a prospect and he turned into a really good NHL player, or five years from now, prospects turn into footnotes on a yeah. trade. So uh, th- this deal really hinges on, for me, does Vinny Trocek go back to that all-star caliber that we saw a few seasons ago? And he was banged up to start this year. I, I think he can get back there. And if he does, the Carolina Hurricanes have themselves one heck of a hockey player who fits in exactly with the way that they want to play. Last thing for you, Mike Maniscalco joining us. Uh, given what we already have to sort of consider, I'm sure there are going to be, as you said, more trades. Uh, are you impressed by 40-year-old Patrick Marlowe to the Pens, Kovalchuk to the Capitals, Mike Green to the Oilers? You know, many of the contenders have upgraded here as buyers at the deadline. Is there any team yeah. or transaction that jumps out at you, you know, beyond the Hurricanes neighborhood? Well, just going with today, I, I think the Islanders landed a really outstanding two-way player in uh, J.G. Pajot, and, you know, they gave up some some picks for him, that collateral, but, you know, Pajot, they got him signed to an extension as soon as he gets to the island, which that was the big question for anybody who traded for him. But, you know, everybody's looking this year, always having a career year on a bad team, but he's been a pretty good player on a bad team. He's a, a good two-way player, and, you know, the Canes are – going to be button heads with the Islanders for not yeah. just a wild card spot, but maybe third place in the division and how to work out. But that's a real nice fit for the Islanders. I love the Patrick Marlowe move to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I think that, you know, he's going to go there and you can put Patrick Marlowe anywhere uh, and give him one chance to, to make a run at the cup. And, and he fits in nicely and it just cost them a third round pick to get him. So that's not too bad at all. And now all of a sudden the, the Oilers DG has sneaky yeah. just jumped into play. Here. Right. And about the last hour or so, picking up Andreas Athanasiu from the Detroit Red Wings for Sam Gagne, that's an upgrade. Then they get Tyler Ennis, who can still help your power play and kill some penalties. And, you know, he's one of those little spitfires who can play on your bottom six but give you offense for a fifth-round pick from the Senators. So out west, I kind of like what the Oilers have done this last hour. And, and you know, I hate to say it, but in the, the, in the division, both the Pittsburgh Penguins and New York Islanders picked up players who were going to help them try to make this push for the, the Pens, for the Cup, and for the Islanders to make sure that they stay in the playoff spots. But I also like the Trocek move for the Canes. If, if he gets into that form, all of a sudden the Canes, you know, you got that SAT line with Ajo, Svechnikov, and Tara Vinen, and now you can have another dangerous line right behind them that you can throw over the boards after a shift that those guys have. Just to be clear, uh, because the NHL changed the rule about emergency backup goalies not being allowed to be employees of the team, 
Does that mean right. that neither Trip Tracy nor you, Mike Maniscalco, who once beat me in a Media Cup goaltender duel, does that mean that neither of you would be eligible to fill that David Ayers type role? That is that is correct. That's why George Alves couldn't get in there. <laughs> right now, if we're gonna and, and no disrespect to Trip Tracy, but if we were gonna rank the the three of us. I would put George uh, at the number one on that list because he still takes shots every day after practice yeah. uh, when uh, one of the goalies goes off from NHL players. A uh, trip just slightly behind George, and you would really, if they had to turn to me, yeah. it's like when like when we were kids playing in the driveway, just put the garbage can in net. It's probably going to make more saves than what I do. I don't know, man. You're, you've been pretty good the times I've been watching. Hey, thanks for the expertise <laughs> on a busy day especially, man. It was a great weekend, a lot of fun stories to follow. Uh, we always appreciate your time, whether you're a host or a guest on the David Glenn Show. Anytime, DG. You always appreciate it. Thanks, partner. You got it, buddy. Mike Maniscalco on Twitter, at Mike Maniscalco. On the call, of course, with John Forslund and Trip Tracy. Next game at home tomorrow night, Dallas Stars at your Carolina Hurricanes. I will be there on the glass with some special guests. Uh, and I'll be there again on Friday with some other special guests as the Canes, again, are in playoff position. But... The injuries on defense, Brett Pesci to go with Dougie Hamilton now, very scary. That is the one part. I know people are panicking about goalie right now. I think goalie's going to be okay. We don't know when. Reimer and Mrazek will be back. But Ned, Alex Nedeljkovic, called up from the minors, is a good prospect who has some experience, as does Anton Forsberg at the NHL level. So I think goalie will be stabilized. Where will they turn for answers on defense, to me, is still the biggest question. Without Hamilton, now without Pesci. Vinny Trocek on the inbound, to me, is exciting. Eric Halla and Lucas Walmark were valuable role players. When you score 30 goals at the NHL level once and 20 or more three times and you're still only 26 years old, you have the ability to be a second-line caliber player and play on the power play and play on the penalty kill. Uh, this guy does fit Rod Brindamore's style really, really well, and he has two more years left on his contract. I know some are wondering if the Canes gave up too much. I like this deal from the Canes' perspective. He's originally from Pittsburgh and Detroit. He's a lifelong hockey guy, 26-year-old Vinny Trocek, now a member of your Carolina Hurricanes. 1-800-849-2761. One more reminder, David Ayers, the superhero emergency backup goalie of Saturday night will be among our guests on tomorrow's program. Appreciate Mike, Manisca Mike Maniscalco for dropping by today. 1-800-849-2761. We actually have the new Kane Vinny Trocek in his own words for you on the other side. As we welcome more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls, it is a big week in the NFL for collective bargaining agreement reasons. It was a big weekend in boxing where Tyson Fury beat Deontay Wilder out in Vegas. It was a big weekend in the NBA where LeBron James and Jason Tatum, the former Duke star, had a showdown yesterday. Both were awesome as the Lakers ended up edging the Celtics in what I thought was the game of the weekend between two of the top, say, half-dozen contenders for this year's NBA title. Patrick Reed of the golf world getting best of and worst of, some calling him a cheater, but everybody calling him a winner at the World Golf Championship event in Mexico. Joey Logano wins on the NASCAR circuit, and college basketball votes were all over the place. Kansas, BYU, UNLV, Ohio State, Indiana. 
around here in ACC country, Louisville over Carolina, Florida State wins at NC State, and Duke crushed Virginia Tech in Durham. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? You can chime in with a question or comment about any of these headlines. Kobe Bryant, Memorial Service Day, Miracle on Ice, Anniversary Weekend. It is all fair game. And as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, there is a great chance that twin brothers will be playing for opposite teams in really important in a really important NBA playoff series a little bit later this year. More on that crazy story that just took a new twist with more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. I played a couple of USA tournaments with Jake Gardner. Been to a few things with Dougie Hamilton. So you, you cross paths with quite a few guys over the years. They like to play with speed, and that was part of the reason they brought me in, is that they thought I fit their style pretty well. Vinny Trocek, the newest member of the Carolina Hurricanes, he also said in that same interview, it was with uh, Netsport in Canada. He also had a conference call with the Canes media just moments ago, but this is from the Canadian call earlier today. He added that he has heard nothing but great things from both Canes players and others around the league who know this coach about playing for that Rod Brindamore guy. Can have a lot of reasons that people are interested in playing in your city. It could be exposure like New York and L.A. and I'm going to build my brand and there's, there's marketing and there's this and that beyond my sport. It could be facilities. It could be the way this organization or that treats your family. Of course, in many cases, it's can I win there? And in every case, you want to know how much you're going to get paid there. It does not hurt that the Carolina Hurricanes have a head coach who is universally respected by not only the guys who were old enough to have played against and with Rod Brindamore, but this next generation of players who know him as an assistant coach, now the head coach, of the Carolina Hurricanes. Appreciate Mike Maniscalco dropping by. Mike DeCourcy, the Hall of Famer on college basketball. Todd and Joe and others have best and worst of the weekend votes to chime in with 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Vinny Trocek is a cane. Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, and two prospects go to the Florida Panthers in that trade deadline day transaction. There is still a little bit of time between now and the deadline. Some expect the Canes to make an additional move, if not at goaltender with those injuries, then certainly on defense where Brett Pesci is now dealing with a long-term shoulder injury, just as Dougie Hamilton is on the shelf with his leg injury. Todd is in Kinston and next up on Best and Worst of the Weekend. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David. Hope you're doing well. Good to talk to you again. You got it, man. What's up? Well, I was at the NC State game this weekend, and I haven't had a chance to listen to much of your show today to see if you covered it. But my impression, I mean, that's my worst of the weekend. They just didn't seem to play with any urgency. And uh, I mean, after the Duke game, I expected them to come out. And they played well, some, you know, well in the first half, but they just didn't seem to play with any urgency. And down the stretch when they were down, they were still sort of just slowly bringing it up. And from my view it looked like uh, Kevin Keats didn't even know that Funderburg had a third foul on him and his assistants were having to you know tell him and by that point you know he got a fourth foul and 
I don't know. I just don't think that they were had a good game plan uh, going into this game. That Funderburk situation was a mess. I did see like Devin Daniels play with urgency. I did see Jericho Hellams play with urgency. I think Florida State imposed its will defensively. And one of the things I really like about both Duke and FSU is that they're smart basketball teams. Like in our neighborhood this year, the Tar Heels not only are less gifted than usual, they have not been a very smart basketball team. The Wolfpack, again, on the right side of the bubble, but has had a lot of nights where you're just thinking, Markel Johnson, what are you doing? Or just really not very high IQ basketball. The Wolfpack is talented and experienced enough to overcome some of those problems, and the Tar Heels just are not this year. But Florida State knew that Markel Johnson played great against Duke. Florida State knew that C.J. Bryce, when he's felt better, pre-concussion issues, was an all-ACC caliber player. And the Seminoles unleashed their length and their athleticism and their teamwork on those two senior guards. So I I watched the game. I felt a little bit more tip-your-cap to the Seminoles than I did, you know, the Wolfpack laid an egg. Uh, so I'll, I'll take your input on that. But Florida State is 23-4 and four for a lot of reasons. And one of them is imposing your will defensively, which they're really good at, and I think they did to the Wolfpack. And another, they just have more players. They have more dudes. There were, what, seven guys that Kevin Keats trusted to play. There were 11 guys that Leonard Hamilton trusted to play. And I think four or five of them were in double figures for the Seminoles. That's a a level of talent and diversity and depth that Kevin Keats has been trying to build toward. What did he say on our show last week? We want to win in the image of the way Leonard Hamilton wins at Florida State. Length, athleticism, pace, transition, turnovers, easy buckets, defense, and he just doesn't have as much length, as much athleticism, as much depth as the Seminoles have, I think the Wolfpack's more worthy of criticism for the UNC loss or the BC loss. Um, I didn't see Saturday as as any kind of uh, a worst of the weekend. Joe is in Bun Level, North Carolina. And next on the David Glenn Show, go right ahead. Hey, Joe, what's going on? Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Who's your best or worst of the weekend and why? Uh, The the worst thing for me was (laughs) – Joey Logano winning this weekend. I, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, he's supposed to go to the pits. Paul Wolf called him man. He acted like he didn't hear it. Came out. I mean, he won the race. I give him that. But uh, I'm a Chevy guy, and I, uh, I feel like NASCAR picks and chooses when they want to throw that caution flag and when, you know, who gets to see it, who wins the races. So, just want to get your thoughts on that yeah. when it when it comes to them throwing the caution and. A couple things. I got some votes on that. I mean, you can tell me why it rubs you the wrong way, but I had a lot of people saying that there are too many examples where NASCAR finishes race, uh, finishes the race at caution or right after the caution, and of course it can impact who wins and who loses. You know, Joey, as a guest on this show, has been a lot of fun, so I don't really have a rooting interest for or against him. Uh, That's the guy who got the Cup Series title, uh, what, year before last? I think he won this Vegas race for the second year in a row. Uh, And, yeah, I saw those details where he kind of won by not listening to his coach or his crew chief, you know? Basically, a miscommunication led to a victory in a sense, right? Absolutely. I feel bad because Matty DeBendetto, you know, he – he was in second, could have won right. the Wood Brothers. It would have been a great look for him and a new team you know, for the Wood Brothers as well. And that's sure. a guy uh, who's also been on our show. That's kind of the low-budget team 
where you could have had a real Cinderella story if he had finished second instead of first. Yeah, First instead of second, absolutely. excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Chevys look good, though, and they've been down since 2016. Hendrick Motorsports, they were running, you know, going to win the race, I think. If Chase Elliott wouldn't have blew his tire out, um, you know, possibly could have won the race. Thanks, so, for, you know, thanks for playing, I'm man. I'm a Chevy guy. <laughs> I appreciate you listening. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Uh, D, we had, we had to pronounce this when he was our guest, when he won. That is like a NASCAR Cinderella story. Matt DiBenedetto. That's what we settled on, wasn't it, when he was our guest? Man, we had to practice that pre-show because that one is a mouthful. Fred is in the triangle and has hockey on his mind. You don't get a lot of celebrating of Alex Ovechkin in the Washington Capitals in these parts for obvious reasons, but one of the greatest hockey players that I have ever seen, and and I'm a Flyers fan and a Canes fan, so I take no joy in saying this, but Ovechkin is one of the greatest hockey players I've ever seen, and he hit another milestone this weekend, and that may be what's on Fred's mind. Welcome to the show, man. Go right ahead. What's up, BG? I'm doing great. What's on your mind uh, here on Hockey Day? Yeah, so, I mean, David Ayers, awesome. I mean, the, you know, backup goalie thing, that's super cool. But for me, big Washington Capitals fan, seeing Ovechkin finally eclipse that 700th goal um, was really special moment. Even though we lost that game, we ended up beating the Penguins yesterday, but that was a big moment for us DC sports fans. And you know what's crazy? When you think of – I haven't heard Ovechkin talk about how long he wants to play, but in the history of the National Hockey League, you know, everybody, if you had to guess, you'd say you'd probably blurt out the name Wayne Gretzky, and that is the correct answer on the goal-scoring question. Wayne Gretzky, of course, long ago retired, had 894 goals. Alex Ovechkin's milestone this weekend was number 700, all right? So he's already one of the top ten. This puts him at number eight in the history of the NHL. Have you, Fred, heard uh, Ovi talk about, you know, just how long he wants to play? Because he's only 34 years old. So if you're 34 years old and you're within less than 200 goals of the, the great one, as he's called, Wayne Gretzky, you certainly have a chance to get there if you play long enough because Ovi cranks out like 40 to 50 goals pretty much every year. That math is pretty easy to put together. Yeah, I mean, you're looking, he really has to put together like five more seasons of typical goal scoring right. from him. And at 34, I, I, he could. I just, I really, I don't see it happening because I think he would love to go back to Moscow yeah. and end his career where he started it. That's true. Um He's, and, he's still know, he still represents the, them in international competition, so it still has a place in his heart for sure. I wonder if his answer will change. Let's say a couple. I forget how many years are left on his contract right now, but at some point, what if he's what if it's two years down the road and you're less than a hundred goals from Wayne Gretzky, and being the all-time goal scorer in the history of the National Hockey League? I mean, does that change your mind if you're only 36 years old and? within 100 goals of the great one. Uh, that sounds like a different kind of history that might be worth chasing. He's already got his Stanley Cup, too, so it's not like he has to hang around for that. But uh, worth watching, and certainly, as much as I hate to say it, it's in a sense, it's a milestone best of the weekend. Goal number 700 for Alex Ovechkin. I have had the pleasure of watching most of the people. Wayne Gretzky's number one, so I grew up with him. 
Gordy Howe is a little bit old for me, but I saw him at the very, very end of his career. Um, I think he retired in the 70s when I was a little kid. But Yaramir Yager, any of these names on your radar? Young converted hockey fan Darren Vaught? I count you as a hockey convert. Yeah. You are I mean, one they're of, all on my radar. You are for one sure. of my many disciples as a <laughs> hockey convert. You know that. Brett Hull would have definitely been more modern, but I don't know. On your radar, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marcel Dion's an older dude. Phil Esposito's from my childhood, older dude. Mike Gartner from my childhood, an older dude as well. Uh, but you certainly know of Ovechkin and guys like Mark Messier and Steve Eiserman, at least relatively recent. So even for a kid who grew up in the mountains of Virginia, they are on your radar? Yeah. I mean, the NHL and hockey as a whole was very much in the periphery, but those are names that were big enough at the time to, yeah, I, I know all of them. Ovi over Gretzky someday. Man, that would be a, a hard pill for a lot of NHL fans <laughs> to swallow 1-800-849-2761 last call for phone calls best and worst of the weekend or otherwise it is kobe bryant's memorial service today and his wife uh she didn't announce it technically she did have of course some words at the service in which she called kobe the quote the mvp of girl dads among other wonderful things uh, news leaked about a lawsuit related to the helicopter crash a little bit earlier today. Miracle on, at, Miracle on Ice anniversary memories are welcome as well. 1-800-849-2761. I will tell you about the twin brothers who are going to be in opposite locker rooms, perhaps for two of the best teams in the NBA that have a great chance of ending up playing each other in this year's postseason the latter rounds of the nba playoffs if they're anything like what i just saw with the lakers win over the celtics yesterday that's going to be must see tv i don't mean the first round but you get to say the final four especially in the west and then the championship series in both conferences that's going to be must see tv more on that story with more of your calls next Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. to the david glenn show 1-800-849-2761 it is the last call for phone calls best or worst of the weekend or your questions or comments nba the, the story i promised huge day in the nhl from david ayers emergency backup goalie to the trade deadline players on the move everywhere including florida panthers center vinnie trocek on his way to the canes lebron james and the la lakers and Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics put on a show yesterday in L.A. It was 114-112, Lakers over Celtics in the end. LeBron was, as usual, awesome self. Anthony Davis, 32 and 13 points and rebounds for the Lakers. LeBron had 29, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, only 2 turnovers. Basically plays as the point forward. Had the game-winning bucket as well 
as the Lakers had to come from behind to beat the Celtics. The former Duke star Jason Tatum was insane. Game-high 41 points and really looked unstoppable. I thought Boston, even without Kemba Walker, was going to sneak into L.A. and come away with a victory. The twin brother aspect of this story does involve the Lakers, but also the Clippers. If you did a pecking order right now, teams most likely to win the NBA title. Y'all know that I'm skeptical about the Philadelphia 76ers, my hometown team, even though they are listed in that mix by many. To me, the top three are some combination, put them in whatever order you like. The Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo, they actually have already clinched a playoff bid. In the last 15 years, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, the Milwaukee Bucks this weekend became the earliest NBA team to clinch because they're on a 70-win pace. So even though, folks, there are eight weeks left in the NBA regular season and the Bucks have clinched a playoff spot, that is crazy impressive with that much to go. Think about the NHL teams, you know, fighting in a log jam. It's not going to be six weeks from now probably in some cases that we know in early April you know who or five weeks I guess who is going to get what playoff spot the Bucks have already clinched a spot in the east they'll probably finish first they're 48 and 8 they're on a 70 win pace keep in mind that in the history of the NBA only the 1996 Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls and the 2016 Golden State Warriors have won 70 or more regular season games the Bucks are on that pace the other two teams that I would think would be in anybody's top three are the L.A. Lakers, now that LeBron has Anthony Davis and other pieces around him, and the L.A. Clippers, now that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have a nice cast around them. Not long ago, Marcus Morris joined the L.A. Clippers. This weekend, Markeef Morris joined the L.A. Lakers. How do you get nice supplementary pieces at this time of year? Well, you get bought out by your team. You got to make it through waivers, but the way it works in the NBA, if you're a non-contending team or you just don't want to pick up that marquee for Marcus Morris salary, even it, it goes all the way down to a team like the Lakers or Clippers because nobody wants to bite on the larger money, especially if they're already out of the running. So Markeith Morris gets bought out by the Detroit Pistons. And the Lakers pick him up after he goes through waivers. That means you get at a really low cost, the way NBA rules work, like for less than $2 million, they get a Markeith Morris tough guy forward who can easily, you know, give you 12 points and six rebounds even at this stage of his career. Neither Morris brother is going to be a star for the Clippers or the Lakers. But remember, they're not only two of the three best teams in the NBA, they share an arena. So Markeith and Marcus are already joking that they are going to room together and, you know, they won't be playing at the Staples Center on the same night in most cases, but there's a very good chance that twin brothers could be on opposite sides. Wouldn't that be one heck of a Western Conference final regardless of the narratives? Markeith Morris of the Lakers, Marcus Morris of the Clippers, two recent additions to those NBA squads. Is it Seaver? Seaver in Jamestown, North Carolina. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thanks, man. You know what? I, I got to say this really quick. Imagine if they switch places and nobody knows. <laughs> how, hey, how much do the Mark, how much do the Morris brothers, Darren, you're a twin, but you're not a fraternal twin, right? No. So you're, you and your brother look alike, but I can tell you together, 
I can tell you apart rather, to what degree do Marcus and Markeith, are they fraternal or identical? I think they're identical. And, and fun, the, one of the cool parts of their story is that they were drafted consecutive with consecutive picks in the NBA draft. Right, so after that, like, being with college f- teammates Within and all five that. minutes of each other, they both got drafted. That is funny. So were they born within the same five minutes as each other <laughs> or only drafted within five minutes of each other? Do you know how many minutes you and your brother were born apart? Yeah, 27. 27? Yeah, I guess drafting goes a little quicker <laughs> than uh, contractions. From, mom, for, mom, for, no, mom wasn't uh, on the clock necessarily. <laughs> Seaver, what else is on your mind? Man, you know, I was calling really about boxing, man. I, that was my best of the weekend. How great is it to see heavyweight boxing come back to the f- forefront? I'm with you. And kind of the wor- worst of the weekend to me was everybody jumping off the Wilder's bandwagon. I mean, the guy got his eardrum busted. He didn't have a bad show, and he just took a bad hit. He did get beat, you know, in what, round seven, they threw in the towel. I thought Tyson Fury was better than I thought he would be for starters. I know those guys had a draw a little bit more than a year ago, but I saw enough highlights of that matchup that I thought Deontay Wilder was the better fighter. He knocked Fury down twice, and it looked like he was about to just pummel Fury into oblivion in the first bout. On Saturday night, did you? Th- it looked to me like Fury was the better fighter even before Wilder got knocked in the ear. Um, but, you know, they're already calling for... Another rematch would be the third, which would be the third fight between the two. What did you think? I, I think you, you, well, I do agree with you. I definitely think Tyson has always been a better polished boxer and Wilder's been more of a puncher. But if, if the claim is true that he busted his eardrum in the second round, yeah. I mean, you, you're going to look bad for the yeah. majority of the fight. You're not going to have equilibrium. Anybody with an with a ear infection will tell you. Well, like you, I'm glad heavyweight boxing matters again. I don't know how much of our statewide audience cared or bought the pay-per-view or whatever, but the bottom line is Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are not kids anymore. Wilder's like 34 years old. Fury, I forget, is a little younger than that. But they've both fought dozens of times. Neither had a loss, and most of their wins were by knockout. So it's like a flashback for me to the 70s, 80s, and 90s when heavyweight boxing mattered a lot, you know, most recently because of Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. But most of these last 20 years, it just hasn't been on our radar much. And I thought Saturday night uh, was a big night for the sport in Las Vegas. Fury over Wilder pretty convincingly in the end. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Dabo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80, <laughs> the original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Thanks to the Hall of Famer Mike DeCourcy for dropping by on College Hoops. Mike Maniscalco from the Canes on a huge day in the NHL. Quick note there with the trade deadline just moments away. Sammy Vatnin, defenseman, has been traded from the Devils to your Carolina Hurricanes. So a little help given the injuries to Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci. Enjoy the games tonight. We hope you're with us tomorrow, noon to 3, right here on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.